Welcome to the Tiny Podcast Bicentennial Special. My name is Ryan Ward, and today I have with us Paul Scapatisi, who's here to talk about wartime in Manchester. Welcome, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. So, Paul, we're going to talk about wartime in Manchester. Let's talk more about you, though, before we start. Where, so, tell me, where where did you grow up? Where, where Tell me about family life. A little bit about Paul. Well, I grew up in Meriden, Connecticut. Okay. I went to trade school there, Wilcox Tech. What was the trade? Electrical. Electrical, <laughs> okay. Uh, and I graduated from there in 69. Okay. I then went to Prince Tech as a post in a postgrad course, and that was, you know, 1969-70. Mm-hmm. Of course, Vietnam was on. And I had a student deferment. And, of course, graduating in June of 70, I said, you know, I, I don't want to be drafted because every night on CBS News with mm. Walter Cronkite, and those <laughs> people who remember who that was and old enough to remember, they showed all the draft numbers there mm. every night. So one day, I think it was probably in May, I said, well, I'm 18 and a half. I'm going to go enlist in the Navy. I want to enlist like my dad did. Wow. I want to go to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That was the attitude of, I think, many guys my age at that time. Yep. Um, so give time to our country and go to fight in a war. Yeah. So I did that, and I came home, and thank goodness we I did this at supper. And, of course, you know I'm Italian, you know, <laughs> sitting at the dinner table. Yep. Good thing Mom was sitting down, and, you know, I told him what I had done. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you could see a little pride in my dad. You know, he didn't want to mm-hmm. be in it. He was Navy. But, yeah, yeah. you know, on an Italian mother, that's... Yeah, that, you know, oh yeah. They do, you know, not that other mothers don't, but the Italian moms, and you heard this many times in your life, I'm sure, they have a special place in their heart for their sons. Yeah, of I course mean, they, they love do. their daughters, but there's just something about them. So, you know, I had seen growing up, I remember as a youngster, you know, our neighbor was in the Navy, and of course I was dad Navy. I yeah. See him come home in uniform. Oh, okay. And, you know, of course there were upperclassmen who graduated, went to Vietnam, mm-hmm. and I know several of them did get killed in action. Um, I'm quite sure some that were in my class did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I enlisted. And, Went to boot camp July 5th, 1970. Wow. You know, I remember, you know, having a small breakfast, and Dad was going to bring me to the railroad station to go to New Haven where the enlistment center was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, all the processing. And and I remember my mom standing at the, at the kitchen sink doing her dishes. I kissed her, and tears running down her cheeks, mm-hmm. you know? Of course, yeah. So, Were you, so did you have siblings? Oh yeah, I have an older sister, mm-hmm. and I had a younger sister. Okay, so you so you were the only you were the only boy. I was the only boy, and you were and you were and you signed, and neither of them joined the military at all. No, okay, not at all. so you were also the 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 out of out of your siblings, you were the only one that was right. joining too. Right. That must have been huge for them. Well, I, yeah, like I said, I had an obligation. I didn't want to go on the ground. I wanted to be in the navy. Yeah. Did you find that you know you say you have this you had this obligation. So when I think back, you know, I, when I joined the military, it was in 2010, and we had conflicts going on. But comparatively to World War II, we'll say, you had people left and right lying 
to join the military, lying about their age, lying about their their medical history. This obligation that you're speaking of, did you notice that that kind of that same style in, in that time frame? Did you notice like your 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 peers also feeling that obligation? I did. There were classmates that felt like that, and other friends that I knew okay. felt the same. Yeah. So. Was it was it was it was everybody trying to go navy? Was it a navy thing in in your area? Well, or quite was... a few of my classmates did go navy. You know, oh yeah, I didn't know about. Hmm. Uh, actually, when I was in uh, after boot camp, I went to school at the Great Lakes. I went to basic electricity and electronics, and electricians made a school. Okay. And actually, I ran into somebody I graduated from trade school with. Oh I, wow! I don't remember what his rating was, but yeah, yeah, I'm going. Oh my gosh! You know, wow, from yeah. my hometown, you know that's that's yeah, that's what are the yeah, odds well, of that? Small town, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. Are the odds of that's that, so good you know? then. Yeah. What are the odds so, there? So what was why? What do you think that growing up, you know, you also you you noticed this this like need or feeling or want of joining the military? You know, what was it like before before you even before Vietnam? Before I think so. Growing up, yeah. absolutely. You was know? it just a, a family pride sort of I thing? I would say it was a family pride. Yeah. You know? with all this you know the service in our family and the dad navy during the war World yeah. War too so just something i want to be a sailor i want to go in the navy i yeah. want to do what my dad did yeah kind of fo follow his footsteps yeah so how did how did school you know did you know you said that you that you took us you know you took a class after you know you joined the military and then took this extra you know electrical you know class was that like your MOS was that your specialty in the military was it was oh it... at the electrician school yeah yeah I was electrician's mate on board uh, destroyer tender destroyer tender is a repair ship to repair the destroyers oh wow okay they would you know radio in they need something done to their ships and they'd pull up alongside of us and tie up to us. And if they had to go cold plant, meaning shut down the boilers, we also supplied them with power. Mm. Uh, I was what they call ship's company engineering. Uh, in the Navy, we were referred to as snipes. Mm. We spent our time in the main electrical switchboard, the boiler rooms, the, the engine rooms, mm -hmm. those places that... Make the ship go. We're important people on that ship. I was going to say, very yeah, that's important. Yeah, that's that's very important. Without us, it's know, not going anywhere. We we supplied all the power to the entire ship. We stood watches on the main electrical switchboard, mm. and I think about it more often today than than before. Thinking of the responsibility at, at young ages that we had, you know, here you're in front of a switchboard, you're doing a four-hour watch. You're, you're, we had gauges to check on the machinist mates, you know, vacuum and, and steam on our generators. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye, we're the second set of eyes, because if steam starts dropping or vacuum, those generators would just drop off the line, and we, we, we'd be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah. And you were, what, 19 years old, 18 years um, old at that point? At that point. Maybe 20? Uh, maybe 20. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's still that's that's still. a year or two out of out of high school. Yeah, the and, and like I said, we supplied all the power. We went all over the ship. We mm -hmm. were known all over the ship. We had to maintain the electrical system in the entire ship mm -hmm. to the repair shops. You know, up on the bridge of the ship, mm -hmm. which was quite an exciting place to be underway. You know, yeah. What goes on on a bridge of a ship? It's yeah. just um, you know something different than what I knew. Right, right, know? right. So, yeah, I mean it's, it's a whole other. Be it's you know you're learning on you know small machines or something, and then it's like, 
battleship, you know, <laughs> fix this. And, of course, electrical and the Navy on board a ship is a lot different than out in the civilian world. Right. Different systems, you know, different types of wire used. Diff- I mean, even problems that come up, I'm sure, oh, also yeah. are di- completely different problems, oh, different absolutely. problem solving. Yeah. You know? So so now, so you join the military, you're, you've got your, your MOS, you've got your military, you know, specialization, and... Now, before you went to Vietnam, you know, how, how, or rather, let me ask this question. How soon after you completing training did, did you get deployed? I, once I graduated, uh, actually, I went to another school. The ship sent me to a gyro compass repair school, which usually they, I seamen on the ship do. Why they did, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I never used it because we had <laughs> those guys in engineering. So I picked my ship up in, I want to say, June of 71 in the Philippines at Subic Bay Navy Base, which was a large base. I'm sure you probably may have mm. heard of it. Uh, yeah, I flew to Oakland, California. From there I flew to, to uh, they flew us out. We stopped in, in Pearl Harbor to refuel and then to Clark Air Force Base in, in the Philippines. And from there picked up a flight, I think it was a C-130, to Clark Air Force Base in Subic Bay. Mm. So I, as I said, picked up my ship in Subic Bay. Mm-hmm. So, um, and of course, we that was our home port there, and we'd leave from there to do wherever we had to go mm-hmm. and, and tie up. We pulled into Singapore and ships came alongside or Taiwan for repair. Mm-hmm. And then we went back, of course, after our cruise was over, which is about six months, pulled back into San Diego. Mm. So it was all new. I was learning. Yeah, was yeah. Learn how to, to watch on the switchboard and uh, my way around the ship. It's yeah. Like, you know, it's like, but you do learn. You, you know, you spend your time there. You, you definitely do. Yeah. But it wasn't until um, when we were deployed overseas in 73 and, and I distinctly remember this like it was last night. I remember the captain, we called the captain in the Navy, the old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, it's funny how you, things you remember are embedded in your mind. Yeah. I know it was after Chow. Yep. And he came over the 1MC, which is the, you know, announcement system, saying how we received orders from whatever, Desron Pak, you know, to Vietnam, and mm-hmm. we were headed there. Um I remember that, and so so distinctly. How how was the overall feeling? What was what was the what was the the emotions felt with that? You know, or, or even with your with your buddies too. We just knew that well, this is what we're here to do. So uh, you didn't think didn't think twice about, about it. Yeah, you're gonna be in harm's way. Yeah. You know? um, I do know after doing years later finding out since I've been out. That we sailed into what they call the hot zone, yeah, which was combat waters. Yep. Um, one of our missions, we know what we did. We had our work boats uh, in the water, uh, loaded with ammo and supplies, with armed guard boats mm-hmm. to the destroyers, bringing them. We call them tin cans to mm-hmm. the ships. Um, that, of course, conveniently was left off the deck logs. Deck mm-hmm. logs, they they put everything that's going on in the ship, what generators are on, what boilers, right. yeah, you know, everything. But for some reason, they left that off hmm. Hmm, conveniently. Yeah. I say, 
So, um, but I also did find out, it's, um, like I said, I've gone on sites about my ship and people write stuff that we did something else that was still, it's still classified, I understand. We sent uh, some of our shipmates ashore, no dog tags, no IDs, and mm. I don't quite know what, what that was about, mm. and I still don't know. We don't know how long we were in Vietnam because, again, they didn't keep stuff on the deck logs quite right. accurate. Uh, we were there for a while, I know. Does, does So what was the, with all these kind of, you know, you know, I don't want to say random, but, um, you know, questionable things that were happening and stuff. What, do, you, do you think that that did you have any indication that something, you know, at that, at that point, that it, was it kind of like, well, it's the it's the military. This is what they do. They kind of swept it under the rug. Or was it was it did it did it bring it's, you awake you aware? You just you didn't think about I didn't know about the deck logs being right. stuff left out until years later. Until years later. OK. Working on my claims. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, the ship, as you know, the government sprayed Agent Orange in Vietnam. Mm hmm. Uh, it was it was made by Dow and Monsanto as a defoliant, but the afterproduct when you made the defoliant was a dioxin, mm -hmm. which is more deadly than cyanide. Mm -hmm. Sixty six million gallons. I happened to come across, uh, obtain a report, mm -hmm. like one hundred twenty two pages long of every place it was sprayed and how many gallons. Now, mind you, when it rained the monsoons, the water goes off the land, to the rivers, to the ocean. It doesn't dissipate in the water. No. It stays there. It doesn't stop. It goes beyond 12 miles. Mm. Navy ships take in salt water, mm -hmm. and they desalinize it. They run it through evaporators. They burn off the salt, the mm -hmm. impurities. You can't get rid of the dioxin. Mm. That's for potable water, we call it. Yep. The water fountains, cooking, showers, etc. So our food was cooked with dioxin in it. Our mm. coffee, our bug juice had it. Mm. We ingested it. Mm. And there's many of us, our shipmates, um, I'll happen to be one. I was affected by the Agent Orange. Mm. Very much so. Yeah. How, yeah. s how so, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I developed, first developed type 2 diabetes about 34 years ago. Mm. Not thinking about where this come from, thought, oh, well. You know, you mm. Yeah, yeah I got diabetes. Your, you went on with your life. It wasn't until a friend of mine, I was in the car club, Chevy club for a long time. He was in the Coast Guard, and he said, your ship's on a list that it's, it's contaminated. Mm -hmm. you know, really? Hmm. So at that point, I went to the VA, and yet, you know, back then, and this is going back probably 18 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, and, of course, I run into a supervisor downstairs who thought he was the one who granted stuff or whatever, you know, wear your brown water, wear your boots on the ground, oh, blue water, you know, it's like, mm. it gives you a bad, you know, you get start getting upset. Yeah. So I filed, uh, and I, uh, it, took, I, it really took almost 19 years to get our benefits back. Yeah. In 1990, there was an Asian Act that gave all blue water guys, that's what they call us, benefits. Mm. It was taken away in 2000. Oh, wow. And then we had to 
of course, go f- and file. Mm-hmm. They had to pass a new bill, which was in 2020. Oh, wow. No, to yeah. 20 years. I, I have yeah. more denials and things that, as a military person yourself, you understand your ship wasn't in Vietnam. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. I happen to have a whole list offline from the department, well, the Secretary of the Navy at the time, listing the, I think, 790 ships in Vietnam that received the Vietnam ribbon or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you, no, I'm... No, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I know my rights. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I developed neuropathy. Mm. It's nerve damage, your feet and your hands. I then developed an aggressive form of prostate cancer, which happens to be on the list of illnesses, diseases. I had thyroid cancer. I didn't get it for that, but they... I, I found reports because I did a lot of research. Right. They granted it to a soldier, but it's like, wait, wait a minute. You can do that, and then you can't use that report for your claim. It's like, yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, Why? yeah. Here's evidence. Yeah. You know? So, so let me ask you about that. So, so obviously there was a lot of of you know confusion, not confusion, that for lack of a better word, there was a lot of problems with getting a claim you know and 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 proving having having proof of these things do you think that before was this a a new problem or was this something that the va you think maybe had problems with before Uh, as well i think it existed in their system yeah really but with those the illnesses on the on the list you know you 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 did eventually did eventually get some benefits and then once the bill passed, had a you know a comp exam and et cetera, mm-hmm. sent to private doctors. I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I have uh, you know they give you different ratings for PTSD, mm-hmm. and I did finally get a full percentage. No, so well, um, good. That's that's deserved. You know for what you you know for the time that you spent. So well, and it helped others too. Yeah. Uh, I was an advocate with a friend of mine who was in the Army and sprayed around the bases. We did radio programs mm. before pandemic, and we helped a lot of veterans, you know, who didn't know, which was great to help brother veterans get yeah. benefits. You know, if I hear a Vietnam vet or any veteran, you, mm-hmm. I see at the VA, do you have a service officer? Mm. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. <laughs> I continued to tell them. Yeah. You know, uh, I get wonderful care now that that bill was passed yeah they can't do enough for me yeah and i take advantage of it because we've all earned it yeah of course absolutely and that's super that's extremely important and it's 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 empowering yeah Yeah. just because you had a bad experience don't stop yeah i tell them this yeah and even then after the bill was passed we still have to um somebody saw um in 2015, I sent Eric Parker, if you know, he was with Channel 3, and I sent him all my information. And, you know, by, by trade, he's a lawyer and a journalist. <laughs> he checked it in, into it, and he called me in, I don't know, January 2015. I want to do your story. I was on there on Channel 3. Oh, wow. From that, it, it just blew, went further. I think it was like April, eh, maybe the mid, mid-April of 2015, I get a call from the producer of Al Jazeera America in New York City. They said, on Memorial Day, we're doing a, a, a 
story on Vietnam and Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. So they came up from New York City to my home. Oh wow! And interviewed me, and they made me take out a, from my file drawer a lot of my your, folders, your stuff. Yeah, yeah. spread it out. Yeah, you know, this yeah. Is, we got to show this, you know. Yeah. And uh, so uh, this gentleman up in New Hampshire, who was Blue Water, saw that, and when it came time to submitting more stuff to the VA then mm-hmm. we had to submit a um, a map of uh, where the ship was pinheads he did it Google Earth exactly mm-hmm. four miles mm-hmm. off the coast six and he helped me wow and, and, that's uh, no good it finally came through for us well good yeah that I'm sure that was a long journey to get that done very as well long. yeah oh very long yeah that's that's years like and years I was and years very adamant about it yeah so let's let's go back a little bit well, let's let's talk about the public's reception. Let's talk about what you know when you were home, when you were stateside. What what you know was it the same level of pride and and you know from from civilians and and soldiers alike? You know, did did that tone shift at all? I was still proud when I came the time to come home on leave. Of course, you traveled in in military uniform when you traveled. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, would, you know, were nice about it and thanked you for your service. Mm-hmm. But I think I see more of it now since I've been out. Yeah, really, over the years, it's uh, parents are teaching their young children. You know, say something. I was where was I? Can't remember where I was. But the woman, the mom, leaned down to her child said. I know what she's saying. Thank him for his service, and I thought that was so nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was still proud. I mean, you know, uh, I didn't get a lot of, you know, if they saw me in uniform. Uh, it, just one of those things. Yeah. But I think we we're all still proud with Vietnam going on, and we were we served there. Um, it was just. How I felt yeah. about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, it took, you know, the things that went on here during the war, which weren't nice, mm-hmm. you know, the protests and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that wasn't good. I, I didn't experience that coming home okay. in the airports because I drove home from California. Yeah. So I didn't see any of it, you know. Yeah, I yeah. Fortunately, didn't run into that. Yeah. But I've heard Vietnam veterans talk about it, and it was pretty upsetting to hear that. Yeah. Really, it is. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the disrespect for serving your country. It's just not, not right. Because a, a lot of these guys were drafted. A, a lot of guys, yeah, lot you know, of were, 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 were grabbed. If, you know, for people who don't know, draft is you, you don't get a choice. You are, you, are, you are eligible to serve in the military. So you are going to serve. Somebody just, I was speaking with another Vietnam vet, and I don't remember what the percentage was, but he said the percentage of those who, who went in the military during Vietnam and served there were, did volunteer. Yeah. There weren't a lot of draftees. They volunteered. I I don't remember the That's percentage. interesting. Yeah, the majority was, was more I, volunteer. I know these these things you know right because uh, you you hear about the negative most of the time because this yeah. this is new information i say new information this is newer for me um just hearing the the that the the same mentality of you know family was in the military i want to join the military no matter what i want to make my family proud i, I every every decade 
that exists and has continued to exist. You know, do do you think that the you know like the like did your family understand that your mom you know your mom who didn't want you to go when you came home did she kind of have a different did she have a little bit of a different I did she see she the growth yeah. yeah oh definitely you definitely do you go to boot camp you do grow up you do yeah you know, I think they should still have the draft you know that might help some of these young kids coming <laughs> up today you know straighten up and fly right uh, boot camp will straighten you out real quick oh yeah yes, and you'll grow up in the military quite quickly you will as yeah. i said for the responsibility you had at young ages to think about that oh yeah you know and just going back to uh, a moment to when we were in vietnam uh in combat waters navy ships operate in what they call darkened ship conditions mm. there are no navigation lights when you open a, a hatch to the outer decks the lights go out mm. And I was duty electrician several nights there, and I remember red lens and the flashlight going mm-hmm. up to a problem on the bridge, you know. Mm. And and when you operate like that, even if you had fear in you, you wouldn't admit it to your shipmates. Oh, of course, yeah. You know. Yeah, because you're all. It's because it's it, the, everything's more important than the fear at that right. point you know get, like, getting my job done you know continuing absolutely. you know getting to the bridge you know getting up there asap that's right. that's what's important and you knew why we were operating like that because yep. you they could have rocketed a ship mm-hmm. as close as we were 4 miles 6 miles to yep. the coast you got to be quiet got to be stealthy oh yes mm-hmm. oh yes and at that point you didn't just think about it and I know I've read things, you know, and through sessions with my counselor, it's when you get older that that's when you think about it more. Oh yeah, you know. And there have been times that I've woken up in the middle of the night in my, you know, might be in an air-conditioned bedroom in the summer, sweating, and and looking around, thinking that's I see myself because I've seen going back and see myself with the lens mm-hmm. and the flashlight walking up to the bridge, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I definitely get that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know they call them flashbacks. So it's like, yeah, um, they yeah. were important memories. They were important parts of, of, especially at that age too. You know, you're growing you're up. You're impressionable you're, still. Uh, yeah. Even if you were 21 or 20. Even if you're, yeah, 20, even if you're 25, 30, even if you're older, you're still, it is still a, a significant <laughs> change. When you, when you look at your civilian life, you know, before the military and then you compare it to your life after the military, they are two, almost two different worlds sometimes, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. So what, what was something when you came back, you know, when you were, when you're stateside, what was something that you noticed a difference between, you know, you having been overseas and then friends or family who have been stateside, maybe a little bit unaware of, you know, did you notice kind of a difference yeah. or did you find yourself kind of rolling back into the civilian side when you came no, back? No, it was not then. Okay. It wasn't probably until I got out of the service after my time mm-hmm. was up by Obviously, had to relax, shed some of the skin, yeah, shut that down, and yep. blend in with the rest of the civilians. Yep. But yeah, anybody who was still around, yeah, if they didn't go in, it was it, they, you could see it was there's a different. How so? What, what did it feel? You know, to 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 give you for my for my example and my experience in the military. You know, this is 2010, 2011. I was 18. I you know I went through basic. I grew up very fast, just like you explained. And then I felt that people didn't 
people I felt like people were ignorant to what was going on in the world. Did you experience I, a, a level of ignorance uh, or, or perceived uh, ignorance? For, for I think like, they perceived, you know, oh, Vietnam, you know, kind of brushed it off, mm. not understanding what's going on there and, you know, how many people were killed there and mm. just everything about Nam. Yeah, that's where I saw it. So they just did, didn't have a full. They they were no, kind of detached from the reality of the situation. Detached. That's how I saw. Or at least from our perception, well, by being yeah, attached being, to it. Being yeah, enlisted and in, in the military, they were detached, not like us, yeah. aware of it. Do you think that's changing? Do you think that that you know you know when it comes to conflicts, you know, since then that people are a little bit more aware, a little oh, bit more. I would say they are. Yeah, they are now. I mean, think about the news now versus then. Mm -hmm. You know, how mm -hmm. different it was, the reporting of the reporters over in Vietnam. I remember seeing it on CBS News. Yeah. You know, reporting what they reported. Yeah. So... Did, did what do you think that was it in a what was the reports back then? What was it like? Was it very um? What's the word? Was it more graphic than it is now? I what, think so. It was. Oh, yeah. It was oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so there was a lot. So people were getting a much more raw, raw view of, of, of what was going on. Well, when I was in, we didn't have TV on the ships like all the right, modern stuff right, now. Right. We really didn't listen to the radio right. unless you were in your car and you put music on. Exactly, yeah, you know? so it was just radio. It's yeah. like, you know, just whatever we relied on, whatever was in the daily law, you know. Right, right. Our, our, pay, our daily stuff during the day on board ship. I mean, news, what's news? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah this is yeah, today's this the is, news. This yeah. is where I am. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, this is yeah. my life. It's like. News? Yeah. It was just like communications. Mm. The only communications to home were letters through the fleet post office. What were the how were the letters? How, did you get any good any good letters? Was it did you did you find it difficult to communicate? No, I would I'd get letters from my parents. And, okay. You know, I'd write back, let them know how, how things were. And, good. Of course, the one good thing was they never knew I was in Vietnam. That was a good thing. Okay. So they just they At just thought all. you were they just thought you were over well on the Who west knows? coast? Yeah, well, on you know our Westpac typical cruises, but then they didn't know. Okay, they did you did you end up telling them after you came back? Oh yeah, you got had to at yeah, that point, I mean, right? That was a good thing for my mother, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. Was really. that a common theme? Did you find that a, a lot of guys were kind of kind of keeping it under wraps or trying not to not to say much about what they were doing? We didn't really. No, you mm. didn't. I didn't. You know, mm. uh, I didn't write anything in the letters. Just, you know, things are going fine and da-da-da. Yeah. I understand This that. and that and, you know. Yeah. But my dad would write a lot and my mom. and. Did they ever share what they – were they seeing things? Were they talk, did, Were they trying to fill you in on current news or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, town news. And town news, okay. Going in, on in town and, you know, general Business as thing. usual kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, business as usual. Okay, yeah. You know, business as usual. That's interesting, yeah. So what was what was it like – you know, we talked about um, – you know, getting out of the military, you know, your service, you know, your service time being up. What was that transition like for you? Uh, I think it took a while to, you know, let my hair grow down, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, stuff yeah. like that, and and finding a job, and you know, eventually getting my electrical journeyman's license mm -hmm. and things like that. Went, did a, you know, spent a couple of years at one job and it would change and whatnot. Um, you know, it finally blended in. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it take, takes a little bit of time to kind of shed that. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm no longer I'm not on the right. boat anymore. Right. I'm here. I'm walking yeah. on two feet. I'm not, you know I got yeah. My I'm job. not wearing my uniform. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Exactly. My work uniform or dress uniform. Exactly. Don't have to have it all. It's still pressed. there though. You know, the military's still there. You know, it's still part of you as well. Oh, yeah. You know, that's it's never leaving. No. Uh, it's but never. but it, it but it, it I'm sure it was a, definitely a transition. So when did how how many years after Vietnam? Where are you out? Did you get out of the military? Approximately, I got out in '74. Okay, so about a year after that, you went over. So uh, I was 23 when I was in Vietnam. So I was what 24 when I got home. Mm. Spent probably two years at home, and then I uh, eventually met my wife, who was from Manchester, born and raised here. Yeah, there you go. Well, I went to work for Monsanto up in South Windsor. They were making plastic Coke bottles for for Coca-Cola, and I was an electrician there. And uh, her mom worked in the tool crib, and there was a, a Christmas party that her daughter was going to, and or and she said, or she asked me if I was going to the Christmas party for Monsanto, and she, his, her mother thought I was married. I said, no, I'm not married. <laughs> I said, I'll take your daughter out. She says, you're married. I go, no, I'm not married. <laughs> so, so that's how I met my wife. Um, and uh, one thing led to another. We, you know, we got engaged. And then I got, we got an apartment. I got an apartment before we got married up in mm-hmm. Rocky Hill and moved out. So, you know, I, I've been in Manchester longer than I was in my town. I've wow, been here for yeah. 41 years. Wow, So yeah. this is my, yeah probably more of my hometown than Meriden, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think I go, wow, I've been here 41 years. Oh, my gosh. Meriden's where long... you came from, but Manchester's yeah, your home. Yeah, so what I spent, 18 and a half years there, if that, you yeah. know? 1912 left in two you know so it wasn't there this this is where i've been from uh you know uh, i did work for the town a long time ago i was an electrician in building maintenance okay yeah and um my children were born and raised here they attended schools here so uh church here yeah you know, yeah i got married we got married in saint james church oh wow yeah you know back in the day uh, yeah we got married uh, it was the worst it was the worst blizzard one of the worst blizzards oh we had we got married january 7 1977 oh wow and to think about it for those who would remember when they plowed Main Street, they pushed it into the center of the street on the line. Oh, wow. And then there were cutouts to go down the streets. That's It's changed then. Yeah, for right. sure. It was it a has. pretty bad snowstorm. Yeah. And I had joined the Army Navy Club back then because mm. we had our reception there. So. Oh, okay. Of course, since then I rejoined. I don't know if they give me any credit <laughs> going back that <laughs> for long. For coming back, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, of course, I... Got involved in things in Manchester with the kids growing up, involved in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and yeah. um, whatnot. So as the years have gone on with you and your wife, have you, you know, talking more again about the, the general attitude of things, we've had conflicts, you know, since Vietnam. How, how, did, how have you noticed, you know, again, we talk about the, re, the reception of the community how has has it been that consistent? Has it been, you know, uh, you know, 
you have young people who are who are jo- you notice are joining up the because you've been involved also with with you know the Army Navy Club the DAV um, <laughs> VFW VFW <laughs> have you so have you have you talked to other soldier other veterans that and we like, talk about it yeah and, and like I said you know you asked and I think the people are more aware of it more yeah. concerned with it yeah because of the all the conflicts or whatever you call yeah, wars yeah you know? yeah. We're always there, and uh, mm-hmm. you, you know things going on in Ukraine. It's like, and that Putin. It's like, good lord, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, he didn't expect what he got over there from them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you destroying the land that you want trying to take over? Yeah. It's, it's like, doesn't yeah. doesn't process. Doesn't process. Doesn't process. Mm-hmm. But no, people are more aware, you know. Yeah. Uh, our adult children and us, we talk about it. My wife, of course, gets upset with many of the things, uh, more so than me. I said, don't worry about it. You don't know what our military has. We yeah, have yeah. capabilities. They don't have. They don't tell us everything. You don't need to know everything. Right. You right. know. So you've got a different understanding of how it works than maybe a, a, a civilian does. You know, somebody who hasn't has no experience with the military. There is that. I think you're right. There's that level of. There's operations. Right. There's there's a point of contact. Right. There's there's somebody leading this investigation. Whatever it is. Absolutely. There's a process that we have an understanding of that most people don't. Don't. No. Yeah. And I say, you know, we've got these nuclear submarines. You don't know where they are. (laughs) They've probably got some off the, you know, in the waters of Russia just doing what they need to do. Yeah. You know, like you said, they don't. You know, think the way we do, right? Because of our experience in the military, so I kind of like I don't brush it off, but I go, don't worry about it. Don't, don't do why you, why even think about it? Just let's yeah. go on with our lives, <laughs> you know. But do you think it's important to educate? Do you think it's important to you know when we talk about you know the public's general reception of something, especially when it comes you know Vietnam, you know we had we had protests, we had people that you know were were met with distaste when they came back. What, do you think it's important for us to educate, you know, like maybe not necessarily telling them all the nitty gritty details, but to give people an understanding of this is why we think this way. This is why uh, we're this is why I'm not worried because I, have, you know, you right. know what I mean? I think so. They should be educated more yeah. on it. You know, like you said, don't give them every detail. But, hey, listen, you don't know what we have. Government's not going to tell us all their power they have and what they have and the weapons they have yeah you know yeah so just of course have trust yeah have trust what's what's one way what's a way that somebody you know because as veterans i don't know you're now you work with the va the bfw etc when do you have opportunities to share with civilians do you have opportunities you know is the is the dialogue between veteran and civilian an open dialogue, would you say? Do you think that that there's there's communication happening there? I think there's some, probably, but it's mainly veteran to veteran, almost. Mainly veteran to veteran. Interesting, yeah. Really, I mean, if you meet a civilian and they might ask you something or want to know something, well, you you try to educate them, but it's not that often. It's not that often. It's yeah. more veteran to veteran. Right. Why do you, you know, think that is? We're camaraderie. Mm-hmm. We understand. It's just like, as you know, veterans don't talk a lot to other people. My wife and stuff, you know, 
happens that are bothering you or mm. you're reflecting on something or flashbacks or whatever. And you rather talk with a brother or sister veteran about it because they understand you better. Yeah. You yeah. know that for a fact. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know, it's somebody can, who's experienced it. It's somebody who's experienced. We've all experienced something different in the generations, mm -hmm. but we all understand about it. Mm -hmm. Whether it was your generation of Vietnam or a Korean War vet, mm -hmm. we don't have too many World War II veterans around. I know. So um, I think that's why it's important for us as veterans to to have these. Con you know, we're having a veteran to veteran conversation, but a lot of people are going to listen to this. And I think that that, you know, when we talk about the reaction of the community to, to wartime, when we talk about how people are moving, you know, from one conflict to another, having, you know, being, being able one as a veteran to answer those questions, but then as a civilian, knowing how to ask the right questions or, or, or just, or just opening that dialogue. I think in my experience, I, it's the same way. It's very much veteran to veteran. It's not so much veteran to civilian strictly because I've noticed a lot of people are, are nervous about asking. They don't want to ask the wrong question, right? They don't want, they don't want to ask something that's going to make somebody uncomfortable or it's going to make, right. bring up, bring up things for us, you right. know, which is, which is part of the it's a, it's an occupational hazard being right. being a veteran. Uh, part of part of it is if I'm going to talk about it, right. things are going to come up and they're hard things, but they're things that I've I I have to talk about in order to to continue on to give you a better understanding. So now I don't have to re-explain myself, you know, in those situations. Um, so what what are you doing currently? What what have you been doing? You know, you've been doing this for, or we can even do over the past couple of years. You know, what 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 have you been involved? Many in? years. Yeah, yeah. Many when did that years. when did that start? Well, I can't even remember when I started, but I'm one of the uh, veterans counselors for Manchester, mm. and we we have finally got an area in the White Center to meet with a desk, a laptop, a, a little conference area in the front of the building. There's a number of veterans call, and it's, of course, no borders. If somebody mm. calls from Bolton needing assistance, we're going to help them. Yeah, that's um, great. I don't know. I can't remember when I started that. But yeah. there's two of us, another Vietnam veteran and myself. And it's been, it's been and you know, it's volunteer. You, you don't charge people. You can't. You've read things that people do that <laughs> stuff, which makes me very upset. Mm -hmm. Um. I've been rewarded by, uh, and over the years I've helped, th uh, I know three Vietnam veterans' widows get their husbands' benefits. Mm -hmm. And we both even, we'll even meet them up at the parking lot at the town hall, and yeah. I'll drive them and be with them when I take them to the VA in, in Newington. That's great. Yeah, And, of course, they have to, have to tell that counselor or whatever, yeah, I, he has permission to sit with me. Mm -hmm. So that's 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 a reward that they got their benefits from their husbands dying from mostly Agent Orange yeah. illnesses, yeah, which is great. Or I've how you can help a veteran get benefits, or you educate them to get them. Yeah, um, I had a senior at the senior center, Korean War veteran. I got him over there, and he's gotten. A doctor there has got eyeglasses, so it's fantastic. It's, yeah, it's they're getting the help they need. The, yeah, the it's, assistance. Yeah, I don't know why they waited so long. It's but 
I'm guilty. Some have, <laughs> at, at, you know, it's like, well, you know, this or that, and uh, I don't need to go, or they had a bad experience 20 years ago. Yep, yep. You know, I says, go back. This is your entire, you earned this. Yeah. Let the government take care of you. Yeah. So, like I said, I've been doing that for a very long time. I was the uh, commander of the VFW post 2046 for five years. They kept putting me in. Oh, and, wow. I, and I would say to my comrades, it's just not me that's made it successful. Mm-hmm. It's your help. Yeah. We got 100% membership when I was the commander. So that was a good thing. Uh, but it was time. I go, okay, I got to stop. Yeah. Then I, I just... We just elected a new commander in the DAV Chapter 17. I was the commander for two years instead of one. I wanted to do two, mm-hmm. and we've done well um, with that. So uh, I've been involved in that. The um, One of the self-appointed uh, caretakers, even though it's the town's memorial, mm-hmm, Vietnam mm-hmm. Wall, myself mm-hmm. and uh, a good friend, Bob Venti, we're both would go up there we'd put the flags up in front of the wall and you know just look around and whatnot and um unfortunately he died i think a year and a half ago now Mm. from asian orange Mm. so i took that still do that um i decided last year i think it was last year i went up and i cleaned and polished the wall by hand Sorry, but I didn't want the town to do it. My brother, <laughs> my brother-in-law, my ex-brother-in-law is in marble and granite fabrication oh, for okay. kitchens. I said, "What do I clean it with?" He <laughs> yeah, told me, give me the info. "What do I use for wax?" And I did. That's I fantastic. I wanted to polish it up nice. Yeah. And also, the all these sidewalk area was all breaking up because when they put that in, there were roots from those trees that they took out, pushing it up. So I contacted Director Peter Conyers. And he got a hold of the town manager, and they did a big repair. They redid it all. They re-landscaped. Actually, Bob was still alive for some of that. And we said to, uh, to the, uh, Rob Topping, and says, well, it would be nice if you guys were planning to put low, small bushes in, in which they did. They really did. And I told them they did a fabulous job. That's great. The parks guy, it looks beautiful. That's great. Redid the, or poured new walkways, got rid of those roots. Yeah. Put in a sprinkler system. They moved the flagpole to where it is. Wow, yeah. So, yeah. it's That's good. That's great. I'm sure know, that feels I, great I, to see, I, too. As a former town employee, I like to let them know what they did was fabulous. Yeah. You know, so they hear it. You don't hear it a lot. Trust me. Yeah. I remember when I worked for the town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. You know, you stop, it's it's noon, and you stop at Dunkin' Donuts to get something to eat or whatnot, and, you know, it's, our taxpayers are like, well, what are you doing? It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, really? I don't do that. I won't do that. Yeah. No, no that's no. great, though. That's good to eat. I think it's it's very important that, you know, you're living in a town where there's support. There, you're living in a town where they're honoring where they're you know remembering you know and another thing we finally got that the public works department did our public works director they put in a vault at the some the veteran cemetery in hillstown road for the ashes of the flags when they're destroyed oh, and burnt yeah, yeah. 
and um, they're cutting. They're going to get us two barrels side by side. I'm hoping. I'm going to talk to the people at the Elks, not this year, but perhaps we can have a ceremony there for the public. That would be great. Yeah, talk about bridging that gap between civilian and veterans. Right, yeah. because I know we've I've heard interest in it from the people. And that's there's plenty of parking there, and there's plenty of room. Yeah, I know they do it in the parking lot at the Elks Lodge, but I know the two people who are in charge of that now. And actually, I'm a member. I, I, I never know what they've done with the ashes, but no. we have a vault. They're going to put a, a, a you know a, a stone there, a headstone, yeah. describing what that's all about. That's fantastic. It is. It's fabulous. Yeah, and yeah. I had told the public works director, I said, we need to get the J.I., the current, or somebody get get a Channel 3 to do a story on what you guys did for the veterans of this community. Yeah, it's extremely I important. I want you to get yeah, recognition, recognition for, the, yeah. for it. Yeah, because it's, it's not happening everywhere. No, yeah. Manchester, know, yeah. When you talk things up and do it, yeah. communicate and say, you know, when you have people working, uh, Director Connors, it's fabulous. And he's a veteran also. Yeah. So that's been fabulous that is fabulous yeah i also was appointed i think it's a year and a half ago now the board of directors decided to establish a veterans advisory board committee whatever you want to refer to mm. i was appointed to it i um ended up being co-chair wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah so and um I've been a member of the Permanent Memorial Day Parade Committee for, I don't know, since I was, I think since I was the commander of the VFW, so that's been a long time. But I, with my wife retiring in July, and we're going to do some travel, and I, I did send a letter of resignation. Oh, in. okay. It's, it's time, you know, I need yeah time with my wife of course not you do all the meetings yeah. or if i want to take off in may and not be here yeah yeah so i i, I gave my time there yeah i was at one time for i don't know how many years nico was on there the cruising on maine for a very oh, yeah. very long time yes, yes i don't know 15 years i, I don't even know i i you know, when you do things, you don't kind of mark them down. I, this is when I started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I was involved in that. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that's, I think that's on, um, oh, of course, we finally, the advisory board, we, we spoke about um, a veteran's coffee house. Yeah. The closest one is uh, the Willimantic. Oh, okay. Danielson, you don't want to go to. Yeah. It's too far. And we f we felt the need that we need one in this town. Yeah. And this, and to invite the surrounding towns, Bolton, Coventry, Andover, et cetera, East Hartford, Hebron, if they wish to come. So we established it. And the first opening was on May 18th, which was very successful. It was fantastic. Good to hear. I thought maybe we'd get 30 people. We had 50 veterans. That's fantastic. We had, of course, the people who were involved in the VFW, the, the DAV, the Army-Navy Club, the Legion, the Elks. Because, you know, the Elks in town do so much for veterans. Right. So much. Um what happened with that, I'll tell you, was we we talk about it at the committee meeting, the advisory board. So one day I texted the chairman, James Amaro, and I said, look, enough talk. Well, 
I'm a, being that the VFW and the DAV meet at the Army Navy Club, I know the secretary, uh, Terry Kiesler, very well. And she said, you know, the board's meeting and the, uh, the, the officers are meeting. So I went and made a presentation. Nice. I told them, I don't know if you've been to any, but I've been to several coffee houses mm-hmm. as a visitor and I pres- did presentations with my friend Jerry Wright. Mm-hmm. Probably we did stuff talking about Agent Orange mm-hmm. at the time in Wallingford in Cheshire, Danielson. And I said, they're very successful. It's camaraderie. We're there to help the veterans. We need to know what they need. So, and then we had reps, like I said, and everybody was there. Uh, James works for the VA as a, I think he reviews benefits, you know, claims. And I had, uh, I had a uh, representative, another representative from the VA who handles the eastern part of Connecticut. He was, wor- he was talking to one of the veterans he, he was helping, and they told him about the coffee house. He came. Town manager stopped by, the police chief, of oh, course, wow, Mayor yeah. Moran. Wow. I had a, a nice uh, email from the, the sergeant of community relations, and she said that, well, you know, we'd like to send some officers there to help you guys out, you know, because yeah. they have coffee and tea and water and baked goods and donuts and whatever. Yeah, yeah. My wife cooks some banana bread oh, and others. Oh, nice. yes. That's beautiful. So... They came and stayed the whole time. They said we'll be here again. That's fantastic. That sounds so successful. Oh, it was beyond. That's fantastic. So when when does it meet? When's the the third Thursday of every month mm-hmm. at ten o'clock, Army Navy Club till twelve thirty. But you know, in Manchester, in Manchester, yeah. and you hang if it's past twelve thirty, who cares? But when I told the board at the Army Navy Club, you know, I said these other coffee houses have a nice kitchen and cafeteria you could you guys at some point you might want to sell food mm-hmm. and let them hang around hot dogs hamburger chicken yeah, whatever yeah, cookout, you yeah. can make some money yeah uh, i know some people signed up to join the army navy club hopefully we can draft some for the dav there you go <laughs> younger blood <laughs> bfw could use some new members yeah yeah so uh yeah, it was fabulous. And the town manager said a few words. Yeah. Uh, he's Stevens, a wonderful town manager. That's great. Very yeah, caring. Yeah, yeah. They care about veterans. That's important. It, it, it's it, very important. It's, it's 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 a group that you know we 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 veterans have been around since war has been around. Right. You know, it's been around for we've been around forever, um, but you know. And we don't. I think a lot of veterans don't ask for recognition, don't no. want recognition. A right. lot. I, at You're least right. I speak for myself and my father. We're usually like, mm, do it out. right. You know, I, I they're know. standing for all the veterans stand up. Me and my dad, oh, we'll just we'll just let everybody, no. let everybody else stand uh, up. You know, we get we get a little nervous sometimes. But it, it having that awareness brought to us, you know, having people recognize recognize i think is is very important i think it's important for us as veterans i think it's important for civilians as well to to gain another again it's all about bridging that gap between you know these two worlds that are that are very different but yeah. we're but we have to go back to them don't we when we we're do. done when we're done with the military we we're back we're going back in that world we do so bridging that gap is is kind of you know i think it's important i think that you're have doing these things i think that that's 
important to that. I think that helps that that process a lot. So I think that's great. I think that's great, Paul. Well, I, you know, I I don't want any veteran left behind. It keeps me busy. Mm. Uh, Keeps my mind sharp. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know. um, Yeah. And and we, it just has to be done. Somebody needs to do it. Absolutely. And, well, uh, Manchester's very lucky to have you, Paul, honestly. We're very lucky to have somebody who's actively doing these things and, you know, and, and making it happen. You know, even though obviously you're in the you're kind of getting the retirement part, trying to step back a well, little bit. I but have still, to. you do. No. You have to take care of yourself and your family and, right. and focus on you guys. You've done plenty. You've done you've done a lot over the past, you know, 30 years. You've done a lot of stuff. Oh, very much. So, it's it's and it, and it doesn't go unnoticed. Or unappreciated, so I'm, yeah, we're very lucky to have you on the podcast. I know because here too. my name comes up a lot. Yeah. I, hear, I have people call me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, Paul, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrapped things up? Was there anything else you? Well, wanted let to me add? tell you about the Scapatisi's service to our country. Yes. It started out with my grandfather, who was in World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, he, of course, when he settled from Italy to New York. He joined as a battalion from New York. He was in France. I know he was gassed there. And he was also part of that, many people probably know, that lost battalion mm. in, in World War One. He mm. was in that battalion. It was from New York. Wow. When World War Two, well, before World War Two, my dad enlisted in July of 1941 mm. in the Navy. He ended up over in Pearl Harbor two weeks after it was bombed out. He was wow. an aviation machinist mate, flew rescue missions, etc. His younger brother, by a year or two, was Army Air Corps in mm-hmm. Europe. My aunt was in during the Korean War. She was a lieutenant in the Army. And my cousin was in during the Vietnam era. And I was the one who went. In the Navy, too, and mm-hmm. I went to the Vietnam. So four of us served in wars wow. at the time. We're very proud to tell people about absolutely. that. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I thank you to the Scapatizzi family for their for dedicated well, service, you're honestly. Welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. So. It's much appreciated. Thank oh, you for coming on here today, too, Paul. Oh, I appreciate the invite. No, this absolutely. Was, this is great. No, I really appreciate the conversation, and really I hope that people get – Get as much of it that I got out okay. of it. Yeah, honestly. That's good. So hopefully that you know we can continue this tradition of have veterans talking and That'd you know and also sharing with civilians. So That's hopefully great. that continues, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. Really My pleasure. It.